Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and we are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Check out the Batman Podcast Network. Lots of great geeky podcasts. I've uh, met some great people through them. It's a, it's a great channel, folks. You know, when you want your, your bat fix, you go to them, because they will hook you up. But for today, I'm going to hook you up with something even better, because it's not just Batman, it's not just Superman, it's the whole dang DC Universe, plus the Watchmen. That's right, today we are talking Doomsday Clock, the sequel, the comic book sequel, I should say, to Watchmen, as well as being Jeff John saying, you know what was dumb? The New 52. Here's how we're going to fix it. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that, but I mean, the book says it for him pretty much. Uh, joining me today is uh, Ryan Lauer from the Batman Book Club and also, uh, you know, Bat- the Batman on Film podcast. Uh, guys, check out the Batman Book Club. Ryan hosts a really exciting show over there. Even if you're just kind of a casual comic reader, um, you, it's 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 exciting getting on his show and talking. Uh, and you know, I was on once, you know, and hopefully we'll be again soon. You know, all the guests he gets, you know, they they're just so excited, so passionate. It's it's such a fun show, and and Ryan brings all that passion and energy today while we're talking Watchmen. And oh my gosh, it's just it it was a total blast, and you can hear us just having the time of our lives talking about this. Um, but what am, I, what am I yammering on for? Let me, let's get, get to the episode, get to the episode, you know? We'll, and, we'll, uh, and we'll talk later, I promise, you know? Uh, you and me, we'll get together, we'll talk. Uh, I mean, not personally, I, you know, Zoom or something, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, and the way to do that is to contact me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at 4 Comic Junkies, also 4 Comic Junkies at gmail.com. Okay, have I taken up enough of your time? Well, don't worry. I'll keep taking it up because you're still listening. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't set up that joke well at all. Uh, but anyway, let's get to the episode with Mr. Ryan Lauer. Thank you, thank you yes. for joining me again. Uh, it's, been, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, you know, we got to get the Batman book club guy back and talk about something Batman. Um, and what better Batman story is there than one that includes literally the entire DC universe, um, past, present, future, and Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, JJ. I think the last time I was on the show was for Green Lantern. Yep. So at least this, this has a little bit more Batman in it. Um, <laughs> so I'm bit- not... I'm not as lost. Uh, yeah. I do know the the history, but I mean, as far as the DC universe history, I mean, it's uh, I my knowledge has grown, but I still have a long way to go. And yeah, what a what a story with uh, quite the excellent team behind it for you to to ask me to make such a such a momentous return <laughs> for comic junkies. Um, it I I, uh, I was so we're talking uh, Doomsday Clock. Uh, by Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, and Brad Anderson. Um, and I want to try and give more shout-outs to Brad Anderson, really the unsung hero when it goes into 
like this and uh, Three Jokers, you know, I mean, those books would not be what they are without the colors. Um, and Almost like this this team in general, actually, all three of them, because they've done Batman Earth One, Volumes mm-hmm. One and Two. They did Superman Secret Origins. Yep. Um, uh, what was the Superman Brainiac story? Basically, these three yep. work together on comics, and when they do, their stuff is insanely beautiful and then the story also to back to go with the art is always superb as well um it it really is um and this i think is their um i I mean it's it's a crowning achievement um you know say what you will about all the delays that came out with it and there were numerous and it was really really irritating as a as a monthly comic buyer but um rereading the whole thing before we were recording and really being able to dive into it, it was, I, I think it was worth the wait. It absolutely was. It was frustrating on my end as a reviewer for Batman on film because mm-hmm. every time a new issue came out, I felt like I needed to go back and reread each issue that was before it due to the delays. In which, when you read each, when you read the book now, you understand like, oh, that's it's pretty dense. I don't yep. know what the reason for the delays were. Um, maybe it was Gary Frank perfecting the art because his art is very detailed. Mm-hmm. So maybe that that was part of it. I don't know, and I'm not going to be uh, coming up with all sorts of maybe it was this, but I just remember <laughs> it was as I'm getting to you know episode eight or issue eight, and I'm like, well crap, I can't just read the last issue because I don't know what happened exactly before that because that was five months ago, yep. and so then it was start back on issue one. So you think <laughs> I'd. I'd remember this book like almost every issue but because it's so dense uh yeah it was like i actually forget a lot of like the the dialogue and the ideas and such that that john's played out through all 12 issues of this and of course it reads better now collected yeah it 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 definitely does um especially um this is one book um you know before we get into the nitty-gritty of the nitty-gritty Jeez, I sound drunk. I swear to God, I'm not. Um, we get Pretty early, if you are. But. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean anything. Time is a construct. Anyway, uh, we're, uh, it, this book, um, more so than a lot of others, uh, reads really, really well uh, digitally um, because you can, the panels are sort of fit, you know, they can fit on your phone, your tablet, whatever you're reading on. I know that's like sacrilege. Pete Vera might smack me if he <laughs> if he listens to this, um, but it. I think that it's because the panels are so laid out in a certain way. You can flip to one and then flip back and go, oh, this this directly leads into this. Like the you know the person's face in the camera, and then you is facing the camera. Flip to the next panel, then it's a new person, and which sound I, I'm not doing it justice the way I'm describing it. But it's so um, there's so much detail in every in every page, every panel, every yeah. issue that you know it, it, being able to sit down and do a deep dive. Because the first time I got it, I would just read through it real quick and go, "Oh wow, that was a great story." Mm-hmm. And then going back this time and being like, "Whoa, this is really like well thought out." You know, the captions and everything really leading into each other. Um, the way like it would say something like there is no hope and there's a they show and but it's a caption at the top and you show superman's face and he looks scared 
and it's just like this is so well thought out you know and jeff johns really has a, a knack for doing really great world uh world building um more so than i think uh any other writer um i think he's fantastic at planting little seeds here and there um and often it can often be to his detriment because sometimes those books will run out or he'll leave or whatever and it's like well you left this thread dangling and nobody picked up on it um but then in this story being kind of similar to Watchmen, being the one and done there, there was no room for that and i think he knew that going into it well, he has such a vast knowledge of the DC universe, of all the characters yeah. and the and the timelines and uh, the the big events, as well as like the small events that have you know that have happened to like every character. And to combine that with such a daunting task of touching the Watchmen story, yeah. so comic book readers, uh, we can be very. I think it can ex- extend beyond that also. Of like, don't touch perfection. Why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, because you know there's such an uproar when they did that that miniseries of the before Watchmen mm-hmm. with characters. And, and that was just, that wasn't even touching really, you know, the, the Watchmen story itself and trying to alter that or, or it was tongues like prequel stories, which I yeah. ended up liking most of those. And so when this was announced, you know, instantly it was kind of, it's very skeptical. You're very, yeah, why, why would they do this? And though Johns has said, this isn't necessarily a sequel to Watchmen. It most definitely is a sequel to Watchmen. Yeah. But I think that um, I know for sure entirely I like this book. I still, I mean, we're, it, it was completed in November of 2019. Yeah. And I still don't know if it's a B, a B plus, an A minus, an A or an A plus. Like I still, <laughs> I don't know, but at least I know like at worst it's a B, at best it's an A plus. Yeah. So that's still, that's still good. Uh, um that's that's a good way to put it because it's you know it it, and maybe history will be more of the judge of it than we are because um it was interesting where it it began november 2017 like you said ended in 2019 which again shows how many delays there were for 12 damn issues Mm -hmm. um and then but i remember because it ended around the same time that the uh the watchmen tv show ended yeah. So there's suddenly there's all these comparisons. Which was the better Watchmen sequel? And I was like, uh, you, I was like, okay, first you can't compare the two. They're they're not, even though they're both Watchmen sequels, they're it's nothing. They're nothing. Different alike. different mediums. Yeah. I mean, like you kind of, I don't know. I love 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 that miniseries. Yeah. I thought it was a plus all around. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's different because you're playing that to as a sequel to a comic book and mm-hmm. then you're putting that up against a comic book as a sequel to a comic book and it's just it's it's just hard to measure you can say like how much enjoyment did you get out of the two and that's totally valid yeah but to to sit down and be you know this is better than this it's kind of, it's kind of hard yeah but i did know as soon as the tv series finished uh what grade i was giving it so yeah. i mean that's <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's a step ahead <laughs> so maybe yes i find that one i just enjoy that one more than this story but again that does not mean that i don't enjoy the story well it's you know one thing that gives the the book a leg up on the tv show is that it has batman in it you know oh, yeah. so you can't uh, you can't go wrong there um, Hell yeah and you know and uh, you know i was thinking about this as as i was rereading this i was like 
I'm kind of nervous to record about this because I feel like, you know, right off the bat, I, you know, I think you might agree with me, us just going over the basic bare bones of the story in the next hour or so, we're, we're not going to do it justice. Like, it's just, we could, we could do an hour, at least an hour per episode, or I'm sorry, per chapter. Um, and, and still maybe not cover everything that's in those, you know, 30 some odd pages. You know, I, I don't know if you agree with me at all, but um, I think that's where John's definitely succeeds. And uh, I mean, we'll surely talk about Frank's art, but yep. John's his story that's where I think it is totally he matches, um, he matches the challenge to fit this as a sequel to Watchmen because mm -hmm. it is a very dense story and it's not it's not a typical superhero story of there's going to be you know action and fighting each other and stuff it it is like an idea it is you know it's thought provoking and uh some of the things that it that it touches upon and definitely at the at the the source of it is you know humanity right and you know like hope plays such a big factor in in the story and so yeah i i mean i agree that whatever Whenever, by the time we say goodbye on this episode, I think we'll be satisfied. And then yeah. three days from now, there'll be something that'll be like, ah, oh, di I didn't mention this. I should have mentioned this, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have to say that, you know, in, in, so let's, let, you know, let, let's go ahead and dive into the story. Dive in. Um, I think that the, what was smart about the story was starting it um, seven years after Watchmen. And, um, and suddenly it's like the, the world has discovered that Ozymandias, you know, lied and he created the, um, you know, he created the squid and they're all revolting against him. And uh, it's, it's funny. As I said, this other episode, uh, we were talking about how I, we believed both uh, openings to the story where it's like, there's in the Watchmen TV show, there's uh there's a lot of people who don't believe Rorschach's story and dismiss it. And then in this one, the majority do believe it and are uh, revolting against Ozymandias. So it's, so I thought that both of them were really smart in the way they approached the openings of their stories um, where it's like, Oh, we're immediately getting into the, um, you know, the, the we're right in the conflict immediately. And we understand what's happening. Uh, and there's no way you'd understand it unless you had, read Watchmen or at the very least seen the movie but probably it's best to read the book because there's so much more in it yeah and I think if you picked up Doomsday Clock, Clock hopefully you've read Watchmen but I I do appreciate how they get into setting the stage on this world and I mean they're they're kicking off there right at the beginning of you know from the end of Watchmen and they talk about you know the riots for Adrian Veidt's uh his plan it's it's known now but it's surprising that it is yes yeah, seven years later when we end watchmen with rorschach's journal at the uh at the the new frontiersman and then we it we're informed by a media of you know the i think the new frontiersman it was seen as a joke paper and um the guy that i forget his name the guy that, the, that got the journal, Rorschach's journal and Watchmen, mm -hmm. um, he was basically, he was not taken serious on the, the revelations of this plan. So 
to to me it's like why did it take seven years then for this to get out and how ultimately did it get out because you also see almost like the government trying to control the information here because the the paper that first reported it was uh forced to shut down like right after it was it was printed as well which quickly tells you oh they're trying to shut this shut this out but then it's interesting like well how did it get widespread then if they tried so hard to control it but that's that's a strength to me in Watchmen ending like it did and not knowing what happened after that because that is such a great uh you and I could talk like we read the same thing and we could both have different versions of what how the story continued in our head right and I, I think that that does end with such a like not like a big boom, but a very like, oh, damn, like all of this now, what they tried to, all their attempts are, it's kind of like, it's it's lost because look at the end, everybody's going to know now what happened anyway. So you can still have that in your mind when you finish Watchmen, but I mean, now that we've read Doomsday Clock, we you know, we know in our head of like, yeah, but actually... The yeah. truth got out there, and um, I just really like the beginning, how the story kicks off. Yeah, it. I think it. Uh, it, it sets up the tension really well. Where, you know, it, in all throughout Watchmen, you know, um, Rorschach, uh, Walter Kovacs is holding the, you know, the, the end is nigh sign, whereas mm-hmm. now people are holding the end is here, mm-hmm. and it's just an immediate like, oh shit, like this is. <laughs> Yeah, you know, th- this is the stakes are even higher now than they were during Watchmen, mm-hmm. and I think what was great was that the the you know John's always uh, he kept describing it as a, a sort of a Superman and Doctor Manhattan kind of they were going to come to a head at some point. Yeah, and I think that he did that so well where it's really not until the end you don't you don't get that until the very end. You know, Manhattan and Superman are throughout it, um, but their conflict doesn't show up until the very end, which is, um, I mean, just it, it kind of blows my mind thinking like, like, wow, like the whole time I didn't realize that these characters are going to come to a head, the most powerful beings from these two Earths, but it doesn't happen until the end. And it also doesn't happen at all the way you uh. think it's going to happen. Um, which is another strength of the story that it's not just this like Manhattan's gonna turn into like a giant robot and Superman's gonna have to punch him or anything, you know. Um, it's it's a philosophical debate more than anything, and mm-hmm. um, but with you know Gary Frank's like incredible artwork, it it's still you know it's it's moving right along. I'm not sitting there going. Oh my God! Are they gonna punch? Are they gonna fight? What the hell's going on here? I'm sitting here going, "Whoa! Like this is, like I'm tense." You know, I'm like, you know, I'm like on the edge of my seat reading it. We thought that it was going to be a head-to-head of these gods and in, in comic book form, like at the very beginning, yep. and then it's not until the very the second to last issue, the last page, that they actually are face to face, teasing for oh, the grand finale is the the finale of the series but it it definitely earns it doesn't force it it earns it and i never got impatient with how the story was unraveling yeah. of 
when is Manhattan and Superman going to face off? It was just like, oh, eventually it's going to come to a head. Yeah. He's, see- he's seeing it. It's We're going to get there. So enjoy the ride until we get there. And so I think that pacing is executed very well uh, by Johns. Yeah. Um, I, I think what what works throughout it is the, the meeting with the other characters. Like I was mm-hmm. so excited when Adrian Veidt meets Lex Luthor and when Batman meets Rorschach, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and then the new characters that uh, mind and Marionette mm-hmm. are just phenomenal, great characters that I really hope we see more of, um, you know, and I actually sent a, a picture of them to a friend of mine who, who loves to cosplay. I said, you know, you're not going to know who this is, but uh, these are two new characters in DC uh, mime and her husband Marionette, um, and I think you would be awesome as a cosplay. And she was like, she was like, I'm definitely filing this away. That's a really cool look. So I was like, I got you one, Johns. I got you one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love mime and Marionette. Mm-hmm. I th- I d- I don't know. They're just written well. They're illustrated well. Uh, Marionette has such a like Harley vibe to her. Mm-hmm. Um, the mime, it's funny because he doesn't. Like, I mean, he doesn't say anything. It's like, so why do you like him? And I think it's like, I think I really like her, but then I like her and him, as uh, Doctor Manhattan says in that last issue of like, basically, yeah, they've done bad things, but look at their love. Their love is pure. Yep. And I mean, there's something that's, <laughs> it's something that's kind of touching about it. And then yep. that entire issue six, which is basically their origin. Yeah, that's my favorite issue of the entire run. Like, there's something about it that's really touching, and it has me rooting for her as a girl. Um, like when she's a girl, because she's getting picked on by these bullies, and then Mime comes in to help her, and then she just goes flat out and beats the shit out of the other one. I'm like, hell yeah, beat up that bully, kick her ass. And he's he's throwing bottles at their heads, and it's smashing. It's like, oh my god. But I totally, I'm all for it because you see. You know, like the basically innocent kids who basically their lives are upended because of these corrupt police officers. And it's just there's such a so much emotions evoked uh, and so much empathy as a reader on one issue concerning the origins of these two, you know, new characters. I just think, man, out of everything that almost impacted me the most out of Doomsday Clock from the very first time I read it until now, my reread. You, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that issue up because uh, when, when I was going through the reread, I was like, when I got to that one, I, I don't remember why, but I thought that um, I thought that it was like not as good as I remembered. So I was like, I was like, okay, you know, this is a filler chapter. Got to get through it. And I don't know why I thought that because rereading it, I was like, that was one of the, my the dumbest fucking things I've ever thought because this issue is fantastic. Um, you know, like you said, you really get into their origins and uh, it's, it's really tragic. It's really, and it's, it's very mirrored uh, her origin a little bit uh, to uh, uh, Walter Kovacs in the original where, you know, she's picked on and then, uh, you know, kind of just stands up for herself and just beats the shit out of these guys. And, um, and you're sort of rooting for him, like, like, yeah, like stand up to bullies. And obviously, Marionette goes way the other way than Rorschach went. But <laughs> um, well, there's some kind of charm about her being so evil too. That's yep. also funny because the Joker, the Joker loves him. Yeah. I mean, 
that should be a sign. <laughs> and yeah. he loves them. And they take out his crew. And he's just like, that's funny. All right, yeah. let's keep going. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved right away <laughs> when we meet mine. And Marionette's like, he's got to go get his weapons. And yep. Rorschach's like, okay, fine. And then he just he opens the locker. And he just it just looks like he's just grabbing nothing. And... <laughs> And Rorschach even says, like, don't point an imaginary gun at me. <laughs> yeah. And then again, he... <laughs> you know, didn't for a second time or he he references something like that in which you see that there is a uh yeah, he just references like a second time. And I think that that humor, I mean, that just works. And it's funny too, because I hear Jackie Earl Haley mm. in the Rorschach dialogue, even though it's like that was Jackie Earl Haley from a movie where he was playing Walter Kovacs. This is a comic book where it is not Walter Kovacs, but I'm still hearing that Jackie Earl Haley voice it, with, it, the, with the Warshack mask on. I, I was thinking that too, because I, I did the same thing and I felt kind of bad thinking like, but I can't think of a, of a black guy that would sound like that. Um, and, and I know there's, there's, you know, you know, so many talented black actors that could play this version of, um, of, of Warshack. And I sort of, and I would love to see it, but um, but yeah, I think it's just it's sort of a default because the majority of the time he's wearing the mask, so you're we're gonna hear it that way. And it's, it's like Jackie Earl Haley is like it's like Kevin Conroy. I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, it's Kevin Conroy, you know, as Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, just like it's it's Billy Crudup as Doctor Manhattan, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so I so I I totally get you. Although I I went back and forth between <laughs> uh, Jeremy Irons and Matthew Good <laughs> not reading uh, Adrian's dialogue. <laughs> um. But, uh, but you know, the, the scene where Lex meets Adrian, I mean, that's one of my all-time – it's just such a great line with Lex when he says, if you're your world's smartest man, I'd hate to meet the dumbest. Yeah. And I just – how do you not love that line? It's so – it's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> so Lex Luthor. I like uh, how Ozymandias even says of, you know, the, the two smartest people on this – on this earth, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. And he's yep. like, well, which one are you going for? Obvious, the smarter one. And then he chooses Lex. And it's it's like, well, that's a bold claim. But also <laughs> to totally fitting that he would he would face off with Lex. And then that's how we get Rorschach with yeah. uh with Bruce. But I, and I like that exchange, or I like that of he ends up at Wayne Manor and he eats the pancakes, and then he, you know, he feels that little draft and looks behind the, the grandfather clock and finds his way into the cave. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's how we're able to hold off on the Dr. Manhattan Superman uh, face off because so early on we get, I mean, that would be, that's the headliner. And this is the second to last match of Batman and Rorschach. So we get that paid off really early on in the story. So it's kind of like, Okay, that was a really good appetizer that's gonna hold us off till the main course. Yeah. But but it's also um it, it's also the same thing like we were talking about before with Manhattan and Superman. It mm -hmm. it's not this it's not a fight. It's no. they're gonna they're and and I and I, I expected a fight, you know, going into it. It's like, yeah. oh they're gonna they're gonna have like a knock knockdown. Well you Batman's know. a little he can be a little hot tempered and especially if somebody's in his cave, like he's yeah. ready to kick ass because oh the threat is in my my home base. Right. So I think throughout all of issue three, as we uh as Batman reads Rorschach's journal, um, sends Rorschach upstairs to a guest bedroom and 
Alfred's like, I'll bring you food. He showers and sleeps and everything. And it's like, Batman is extremely calm to this man that just invaded his, his home and his, his cave. Yeah. And that was really surprising to me, but I really enjoyed it too, because in the end, do we, this is Rorschach to us. We know there's somebody different underneath the mask, but we're seeing Rorschach a fan favorite from the original Watchmen series. Do we really need to see the two of them like fight? Do we really, really want that? No, we just like the confrontation between the two. And so that's what we get. And we get that explored a little bit all throughout that issue. And I think that was, that played out really perfect, especially the way that he gets him to Arkham Asylum and then locks him up. (laughs) Yeah. Because that makes sense. That makes total sense of like, yeah, you're a nut job, man. You need to be an Arkham. But it's, it's interesting where I, I, uh, you know, where, where Batman, they're talking in the cave, and he's like, you ate my breakfast. And he's just like, yeah. And it, it's like, it's, okay, so Batman's kind of sizing him up. Um, and I love when he's like, he's like, I have something to show you. And he's looking through his coat. He's like, oh, hang on, hang on. Uh, and Batman just kind of tilts his head like, what the fuck is this guy's deal here? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's something, actually, I'll have to send it to you. I'll have to look through it on my phone. But I made that bit into a meme. When it's like, mm-hmm. when you recommend uh i I said uh when you recommend a a new book to your friend and it's rorschach leaning into batman going what page are you on (laughs) (laughs) um because i i was like i was like i'm surprised nobody made this meme but i'm gonna make it Uh, but uh and i just and i love that exchange and there's there's a lot of really funny bits throughout it and that was one of the the better ones i thought it's like what page are you on four (laughs) (laughs) as if to be like get the hell away from me. I'm trying, you want me to read this? I'll read it. Just get away from me. Um, and I like that, um, you, you know, we, and then we see like, you know, uh, this version of Rorschach, Reggie, he goes up to his, he goes up to the guest room and, and then, you know, he's, he starts to have like his PTSD kicks in. He starts scratching his head so hard that he starts bleeding. It's like, oh my God, like this, like at this point, we don't know much about him. So it's like, what has this poor guy been through? And then in the next issue, when we uh, get his history, that um, that issue I think is one of my favorites because it it had touched on immediately the aftermath of um, of Watchmen of the the squid landing in New York City, and then um, it uh, you know and and how that affected everybody. And I like that because I don't think that they collaborated but there's similar beats from that in um the tv show with um looking glass that Mm -hmm. they're just they're mentally traumatized by what happened and like how how could you not be um it's and i and i love that you know that's where he meets mothman and Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, a character that had what like he's probably in like eight panels in the entire Watchmen book. (laughs) Well, that's what was funny to me in definitely since I have not read the Watchmen book since before Doomsday Clock Mm -hmm. began. So that was something that I've wanted to to do. I wanted to actually reread Watchmen before Doomsday Clock began and it never happened. And then definitely when it ended, I'm like, oh, I need to rewatch or reread Watchmen, especially after the TV series came out and I just haven't gotten around to it. And that upon this read, I'm like, Mothman, man, he was in Watchmen. I know he was in Watchmen, but 
how much was he in Watchmen? And like, I was losing track of like, what am I projecting and what actually happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thought the same thing. Um, but because it, it's, it hasn't been that long since I reread Watchmen because uh, I did a podcast on it not too long ago. As far as the read, as far as the listeners go, it seems very recent, but as of recordings, it was more time. You get it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, and I think that the, you know, as far as if I were to hold both books up together and, and look for the comparison panels, um, I'm sure, you know, that there'd be numerous ones. But uh, I, I I loved throughout this book, all the, the symmetry, just like there was in the original Watchmen, um, a lot of symmetry. And I think that, that that's what... Um, holds it together as yeah. such a a, com- a complete story that I don't, even though there are teases to the future, like John at the end of the book gives mm-hmm. some really interesting teases as to what's going to come for the future or what could come for the future for, you know, Superman and the DC universe. Um, it, I don't, I, I'm not reading that thinking, I can't wait to read those. I'm reading those thinking, oh, that that's, that's cool that he's kind of seeing those. Those are cool little teases that probably won't go anywhere, which is fine. Um, but I don't, I'm, the story doesn't leave me wanting more, you know, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So a lot of things to touch on there. First off, uh, to hold them up side by side, I think if you're going to approach this world of Watchmen, like it's going to be tricky. You're just, the idea throws you at fighting an uphill battle. Because you have these stubborn fans, and rightfully so, and don't touch perfection. So you need enough similarities, but you also cannot be a retread. You need to also make it different. Now, that's where like the trickiest part comes of, I need to make it the same but different. How do we do that? So you don't get into the story. You just hold the page, like you hold both books physically against like up next to each other and mm-hmm. open... I don't know, just randomly open the books and compare. And you see, this looks like the same world. The layouts, the structuring, like that that resembles Watchmen. That looks like Watchmen. The nine panels, 12 panels on each page, and then jump to, you know, like six panels and stuff. Like that is Watchmen. The nine panel and 12 panel is totally Watchmen. Yeah. But you get, you get also this... You, this investment in uh, the movie The Adjournment, mm-hmm. which quickly with starring Carver Coleman, which quickly to me was distracting in the sense of this is like the Black Freighter story in Watchmen. Yeah. there. What's the point of this? Because Black Freighter and Watchmen, I more often than not, I skip that when Same. I read Watchmen. Yep. Um, I find it, it it's distracting. It's not really enjoyable although i do love i love the the look and stuff in the in the watchman of you know how it looks because it resembles those old style comics and and that's cool to me but the story itself i'm just kind of like uh it's kind of slogging and here i felt like oh that's what this is this is their black freighter and so it was almost a little eye rolling until it plays out and then i think oh the 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 adjournment section and carver coleman has much more of relatability to the story than the Black Freighter story does. Yeah. And um, so that's a, cool, that's a cool payoff for that. And so that's just how I think that this book definitely also 
aside from story does it's it's part of that watchman world it just kind of is yeah and um, the teasing I, sorry go ahead no 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 you you, you finish your thought i was gonna say teasing at the end with superman talking or with dr manhattan talking about all these futures and these mm. future lines well that's where he even says that the one point of you know it's the it's the 5g which is the initial idea that dc had for this whole you know they were gonna go into a 5g um universe and then for some reason that got that basically they didn't come out and say never mind we're not doing that but that's kind of it morphed into future state which is why they really crunched in future state in these two months it's kind of like this was our 5g idea so that did get some play out i don't see how dc is ever gonna go up against marvel again but i guess you never know (laughs) like fighting thor I mean, sure. I mean, I'll read that damn comic, but I don't know that that's going to end up happening. But I mean, I don't know anything anymore. So who knows? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it goes back to, you know, and I think about, you know, and uh, our uh, our mutual friend, uh, Bill Ramey says this all the time where it's like, you know, uh, we never, you never thought that Michael Keaton would come back as Batman. Yeah. Never thought that Ben Affleck would do another run as Batman. We didn't and, think that we'd get get a Zack Snyder Justice League movie. I mean, yeah. all this stuff in the nerdy world that we didn't expect. We didn't expect that we get a Batman 89 DC comic series coming out. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know what the future holds, and that's why I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. Out of all of these future ideas that Manhattan says at the end, him going up against Thor seems the least likely to pay out. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um it, it, it is the least likely, but it makes me think of, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we I rewatched um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and uh-huh. I, I forgot that both Disney and uh, Warner Brothers characters are in it, and uh-huh. what I read was that uh, they, they were allowed to do that, but only if every character, like if Mickey Mouse was on, on screen with Bugs Bunny, they had to take up the same amount of screen time, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, well, that's how you solve this, like, you just you just split it, you know, halfway, right? Where Batman's not in it more than Captain America or whatever, um, which obviously is much different for a comic book uh, than it is for a, a movie. But you know, and obviously, I think corporate greed would play a lot into that. I say Disney um, Disney runs the world now, and I think yeah. they are so much more protective of their of their IP than they were at that time. Yeah, uh, so, but I think if there's ever a chance, the only chance really would be like in a comic. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So off off of that off of that tangent, I'm glad we did touch upon that because I that that little tease. I was like, I was like, this is only going to play out in my imagination, and it's so much. And right there, it's so much fun. Um. But you know, I think. But, you know, kind of to tie in with that, I never thought we'd see the DC characters interact with the Watchmen characters. Um, And and there is a there is a part of me that wishes that Silk Spectre and Night Owl could have been in there more, you know, because they had little cameos at the end. Um, You know, I I wish they could have been in it more. You know, I wish we could have had um, a little bit more with the comedian. You know, I I wish that the DC characters had been in the Watchmen world and seen how that works. but at the same time, um, that that story, I, I don't think would be interesting or better than this one, because um, Jeff Johns 
you know, when he did Rebirth and, and Rebirth, you know, I, I reread that DC Rebirth uh, number one numerous times. Every time I read it, it it refuels and re-sparks my uh, love for comic books. Mm-hmm. It's just so, I'm like clapping reading it. I'm so excited. And so when this, and so when that ended with Batman finding the, the button and then it ends with the Manhattan tease, I was like, oh, what are they going to do? So this this book really found a way to incorporate all these characters together and tell us everything we love about mm-hmm. about comic book reading, about Superman, about the DC universe. Um, it's I mean it really distills it into a very as as dense and as complicated as the story can be. It's that simple, and that last issue, you know, like I said, I'm like cheering reading it. It's it's so much fun. Well, I think a lot of us also forget about the button, yeah. the the four issue Batman Flash crossover that you know, and it it to me served as a reminder of like, hey, we didn't forget about this Doctor Manhattan tease from Rebirth, right? There nothing drastic. I mean, it's not essential reading mm-hmm. for to understand or to get into Doomsday Clock, but it is some. Hey, if you really like Doomsday Clock and you didn't and you missed the button, go back and look at the button story because that's a fun inclusion into this Doctor Manhattan into uh, DC DC Universe. But yeah. I to comment on how you said Silk Spectre and, and Night Owl, I think of and it's funny how I'm going to say this of the the Watchmen characters, their story seemed like the one that was the most complete and it's done. And yeah. you can say, but Rorschach died. Yeah, I know. But the symbol of Rorschach can live on, just like somebody could have dressed up as Silk Spectre the Third and Night Owl Three. You know, right. for for this story, it just I don't see a way that that the inclusion of them could have. It, it, it I didn't hesitate at all in uh, just understanding and accepting that oh they're not in this story yeah. because to me they moved on and moved away from all of this. Yep. And so, and it didn't bother me, even though I loved Night Owl from the Watchmen and everything. It's just like, nope, mm-hmm. I accept it. It's fine. But the inclusion of the the characters and coming face to face, the way that they do seems definitely that this is like, oh, like early on in the story. Okay, this is more ideological and thought provoking and such. It's not it's not an action action packed series every single yeah. comic. So, and and that worked totally fine for me. Mm-hmm. the action i could say some that you get very early on is the surprise return of the comedian because that too yeah. is like holy hell what because yeah. that that issue two ended and there he is and then you're just like well what's going on here which i'm glad that they didn't they didn't take long to explain what's happened with him mm-hmm. and then including him in the story and then, I mean, to jump all the way at the end, I love how that, that ends too, because now you could totally read Watchmen differently if you want. And he has the longest fall to his death of all time because he jumps to an entire other universe and spends some days there and then comes back to this world where he continues his fall to the sidewalk and smashes and dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, it's funny because uh, when I was... When I, you know, going through the reread, I, I was like, man, like, the the comedian, I was like, well, the comedian doesn't get that much to do in the story. And it's like, yeah, but, well, but he gets just enough to do mm-hmm. to, to move the story along. And 
and I love seeing, you know, how he had interacted, he interacted with like the, you know, the, the bat villains, you know, how he shot, <laughs> he shot the Riddler, you know, and he killed a bunch of them. He killed a bunch of the other villains, um, the, the C or D listers. And then, um, and then he, sh and then, you know, he tries to kill Mime and Marionette and the, and the Joker stops him. And it's just, I was like, man, this is the kind of stuff that I was sort of living for. Like, I didn't know I needed a comedian versus Joker bit and I got it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and as, and again, but, um, it, it's funny, you know, you know, when I was thinking about what you were saying about having a Silk Spectre 3 or a Night Owl 3, I'm glad they didn't do that and they did do Mime and Marionette because those characters totally, they don't replace them, obviously, but it would be so lazy if it was, if they were those characters. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm Silk Spectre 3 and I'm, you know, I'm Night Owl 3 and, you know, I'm Rorschach 2 and we're teaming up to find Dr. Manhattan. It's like, no, 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 this is much deeper and more interesting than that. Um, and and you can see that those characters would have totally totally existed in the Watchmen universe mm -hmm. and and then when they invade the DC universe um I think one of my favorite bits and I, I remember rereading it several times when I first got it when the mimes gun turned out to be real <laughs> it mm -hmm. you know when it, you just keep thinking like what the hell is he doing he's just like holding nothing thinking he's threatening um and that yeah. that stuff fascinates the joker makes him yeah. even more of a fan of like look at this insane clown and holy hell he's got invisible weapons <laughs> yeah um one thing I, I i noticed on this reread uh that i didn't think about before is that harley quinn is not at all in the story like joker mentions her where he's mm -hmm. like did harley send you and there is something on his wall that had like an x over harley's face um which i thought was funny but i was like but that but that's kind of it because again i think I don't think she would have fit in the story, um, but I love that she, that there was that mention of her, but it was more about these characters that, you know, like you said, she's a little bit like Harley, but, but at the same time, not, you know, and I love that yeah. they, they had their own history. They, they belonged in that Watchmen world. And, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, they, they stay in the, do they stay in the DC universe or do they go back to the Watchmen world? I felt like they stayed. I think, well, they stayed, uh, but it, yeah, because they're in the car at the end, and the blue lights come in, and I think she even says, "Oh hell," or something like that. Yeah. And so then it that implies that she goes back to the Watchmen world, but mm -hmm. then those characters of you know those two, um, Rorschach, Veidt, Doctor Manhattan, comedian, they all end up back in dc mm -hmm. and then lex shows up and um sends comedian back to the watchman world so to me that says yeah. oh all of the rest right there are staying in the dc dc universe yeah that was my take because otherwise what how the hell would lex have gotten back into the watchman world like right. or gotten to he was in he was in his universe so I, yeah i think they all they all stayed except for except for john Doctor yeah. Manhattan, <laughs> he lives in every universe anyway. Yes, yeah, like, he's so. everywhere, always. Um, he's here now, five minutes from now, and ten minutes ago. Boom! <laughs> you son of a bitch, you're all over the yeah. place. <laughs> he's leaving pictures all over. Knock it <laughs> off, John. Come on. Um, that here's the other thing. Here's the thing about Doctor Manhattan that that you know the listeners are going to be tired of me saying uh, throughout these episodes. 
is there's there's a way to write Dr. Manhattan. There's a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. I thought the movie did it the wrong way, where the movie sort of is makes it sound like he can predict the future or he can read minds, but that's not what it is. He's just experiencing time all at once, which obviously is very difficult to write. I couldn't write that. So props to Jeff Johns for really figuring out how to write him and write him well. Um, and I think that, you know, because I thought about it, I was, like, I was like, doesn't this contradict John when he comes into the DC universe and he can't see anything? And then I was like, oh, no, it doesn't because he says, I need an anchor in this world. And he picks Carver Coleman. Um, and then, you know, and then he becomes super fascinated with Superman um, or like obsessed with Superman, really. And, and their inevitable conclusion. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, so that does make sense that he's not, again, it, he's written well because he's not seeing everyone's future. He's not reading minds. He's seeing his future. He's just anchoring with Carver and because he's with Carver throughout all his life, um, then he can figure out how Superman's life fig- uh, ties into that. Um, which again, sounds extremely complicated. And it is, <laughs> but um, but I think that Jeff Johns really, next to Alan Moore, he figured out the way to write Doctor Manhattan and write him well, um, yeah. because that that's that's not easy to do. And and I never felt reading him, I didn't feel like eh, that does, that doesn't sit right with me. That that's not how he was in the original. I was like, nope, he got it. He figured it out. Um, and I love that every issue with him. You know, it, just like it was in the original book, I felt like, well, you know, like, oh, so what? What does that mean? He's like, he's like, sorry, sorry, I'm talking to Ryan e. Raymond six six minutes from now or whatever, and I just I love that little bit where I'm just like, I'm like, yes, that's that's how he is, where he's sort of weirdly scatterbrained, but at the same time entirely focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> I mean, you can listen to us, you know, on our podcast and. The amount of times I go, um, but yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I run into that all the time. Of you know something similar where I I have to apologize in the show and be like, I know all I'm saying is, oh, that's cool, that's awesome, that's cool, that's awesome. So <laughs> I need to sound smarter than I am, which maybe I just need to take a hint. Like, but you're not Ryan. You're not. No, no. But as you uh, as you as you comment on Doctor Manhattan, so actually in in the original Watchmen story, I think that is my ch- my favorite chapter is basically mm-hmm. his chapter in the movie that is my favorite part of the movie yeah uh, so there's there's no chapter in this book that is totally devoted to manhattan like that but yeah. you do get you get do get snippets of that yeah definitely like i think in the back half of doomsday clock and yeah. not just for like one page you know you can get like two or three pages then it cuts to like the normal and then it goes back to him again and stuff and i i think that is done really well in respecting the watchman universe and the character and and fitting him into this story effectively too i just oh i love that and i get confused also because it's like <laughs> wait keeping track of what who what when where yep. but it, it's still it's fun every time it's engaging you, you just imagine that john's writing it he had to have had like that it's always sunny meme like charlie with all the yeah um, the post-its and yarn that's like that's, that's like, it's the from the the mail episode where he goes carol carol um <laughs> yes. all that i hear every time that that's referenced every time that i see that and everything 
it's you know it's like something like explaining one division to my friends and it's like that meme and <laughs> um but but you know it's like that must have been how Johns was writing this like it's like okay so he, in this part of the book he's saying this and then and then but he's actually here on Mars yeah. with the other superheroes you know but but then but then what about what about the mail what about Batman where's Batman at during all this <laughs> and, um it's <laughs> I haven't watched that one in a while. I gotta watch that again. But uh, yeah. it's uh, and I, I and I love that. Uh, it's it's interesting where not all the characters interact. I don't think Batman Batman I don't think ever interacts with Doctor Manhattan, um, and I don't think most of the other you know li- like li- I I think literally Batman's the only superhero that doesn't interact with them throughout the whole the whole book, um, and I think that. Uh, and, and, but you don't really need that, you know. We don't need Batman to interact with him. We just need. We we just need what what we're given, you know. Um, so we can go into this with like a wish list, like, oh, what would it be like if Batman tried to talk to Doctor Manhattan? We don't really need that. We just need, and and I love that uh, Manhattan has a great line where he says, "I'm a being of inaction, about to fight a man of action." You know, oh, action comics. I see what you did there, Jeff Johns. Oh, smart son of a bitch. Oh, Um, (laughs) uh, but you know, we and I think that it's interesting where again, Johns doesn't they they don't just erase like the new 52, they don't just go, okay, like, yeah, that 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 didn't happen, don't worry about it. It's like, no, no, this that happened, and this is why it happened, and here we are now, and it's like, whoa, like, what a you know, obviously this wasn't the plan when they did the new 52. Yeah. Um, Cause that was just Dan DiDio going, yeah, we'll just do this and figure it out. You know, it's fine. Um, you know, and you know, not to speak ill of someone who <laughs> lost his job, but uh, it, but it, I, I love that Jeff Johns kind of eventually came up to them and was just like, we can't do this anymore. We have to tie everything back together because that's what makes DC so great is this legacy and having Saturn Girl and Johnny Thunder be really important characters throughout the book, and even Alan Scott to an extent, um, with the very least his lantern, um, it, it you know we get to see like here's the present, here's the past, here's the future, and you know just just like Doctor Manhattan, holy shit, we figured it out. <laughs> I mean, so that's a segment that they could totally. That'd be something else to watch. It's like the the troubled train ride of Alan Scott, where Dr. Manhattan is just jumping in, moving a lantern six inches out of his reach, then six inches back in his reach, then back out of his reach, then back in his reach. <laughs> it's just yes. like, oh, man, <laughs> poor Alan. He just wants to get on a train. But uh, <laughs> that's demonstrated so well on how I love the exploration of that in all of this of and then how manhattan even admits at the you know at the end of it's basically out of just curiosity of how he's adjusting the smallest thing in this dc universe and the repercussions that follow well now all of a sudden this person doesn't exist now this part never happened you know and and i think that that's that does kind of help explain you know, the new 52's placement, if you really want to make it, if it is all connected and you're trying to make sense of it all, that really helps in that regard. And also it does kind of say, as Vite even says, I know why John 
John came to this world to because it's just more of his people, like yeah. superhumans. Mm-hmm. Um, because the last we checked with John, he went to Mars because he was done with people. He lost hope and he hope in humanity. And so he ends up here, which is interesting. And then that reasoning of why and how he was toying with it to just be like, I'm fascinated with time. What if I do this? Oh, look it. Now this this doesn't happen. This does happen and such. Yep. Um but it raises like my biggest question on why I still think I'm I'm undecided on my grade for the story. So I'm not going to control this conversation, but I'm ready to ask you questions when you give me permission. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I've got permission. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) Sucker, you're on the Batman book club now. (laughs) That's right. Um, What is Byte's plan all along? Because I think that's the hardest thing for me to kind of comprehend. And I kept that in mind reading it this time. Uh, It does get, I feel like the explanation is there. I'm just not connecting it or understanding it throughout every read because Watchmen by the end I know what his motivations were and what he was trying to do yeah he's deemed as a villain but he's like like you know some very good villains he wholeheartedly believes that he's doing the right thing and more than any of us realize that positions of power require hard decisions like this of you know you're as they say in Watchmen of, you know, your plan is to destroy, is to kill millions. And he says to save billions. Yeah. So unfortunately, yes, we have to make that decision. Do we want a million people to die or do we want a billion people to die? Well, we need to choose a million and this decision sucks, but this is how it's going to happen. Now he did do things along the way that were kind of like, yeah, that's not okay. And that's not okay. But ultimately it's like, I can understand you know, his motivations here. I don't know other than he knows the nukes are coming in the Watchmen universe. I got to get to this other universe. Okay. So what's your plan here? What are you trying to accomplish in the DC universe? Well, it, from what I understand it, uh, when, when I was rereading it, cause I thought that too was he, so he goes, you know, when he goes to the DC universe, I mean, his plan the whole time is just to convince John to come back to um, come back to their world and save it. So I think that, you know, he thought, okay, I'll, I'll just bring him back. He didn't care about saving that universe, but then that wasn't his goal. But then when he got there, he was like, well, this universe is in disarray as well. Mm-hmm. We can save this universe. And I think his thought process and I could be wrong, but the way I was taking it was that he kind of wanted the metahumans to wipe themselves out and that would save this world. And then he could t- convince John, well, you don't have any place here. You can come back to our world. And then, you know, they're, they'd go back to their world and he'd stop and John would stop the nukes. Um, and so that's what I was thinking because it seemed like he was, because uh, Ozymandias was deliberately ramping up the tensions you know, with with the metahumans and like yeah. like the incident in Russia with uh, with Firestorm, like turning all the people to glass. You know, he he basically makes it look like Doctor Manhattan. Well, he makes it look like Firestorm did it, and then he makes the heroes think that Doctor Manhattan did it, mm-hmm. but it was really him and uh, little baby Boobastus. And by the way, like we're not getting any love for baby Boobastus. We got baby Groot, baby Yoda, and then we got baby Boobastus. She's, she's fucking she's the she's coolest, fucking adorable. Coolest animals um, ever in comics, but yeah. whatever. 
but you know but you know we'll i guess we'll deal with our baby yoda toys yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's that's kind of what i i was taking it because he said you know i'm gonna save um i'm gonna save two worlds and i think that he genuinely believes that but his the way he went about it was to you know they'll be more united if the metahumans are out of the way and prove the superman theory and then in our world we'll get rid of the john will get rid of the nukes and then people will be united again so i don't i don't think it was at, it's not as uh, uh e- easily explained as it is in the uh, the original watchmen story Mm-hmm. But that's what I got from it. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Someone will listen to this and go, no, you're an idiot. It's actually, you know, <laughs> what he was trying to Well, through to your this. explanation, I take him even more relatable to uh, Lex Luthor then of there's a little bit of, uh, you know, jealousy and intimidation of superhumans. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, no, I... I have the ego. I need to be the the smartest, most powerful. Yep. And this is a bit of a way of him to get rid of the people that are more powerful than him, ones that can suck the attention away from him. So that still, I mean, that helps. Uh, And then next reading, that'll be in my mind as as I read that. It still, it doesn't, definitely just doesn't land it, stick to landing with him as it does in Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I I definitely agree because it's I I feel like Adrian almost becomes more of an af- afterthought because I'm much more invested in like Black Adam and his metahumans attacking Superman. Um, I find that that part of the story much more interesting, much mm-hmm. more exciting. Partially because I'm a huge Black Adam fan. I can't you know first and foremost I can't wait for the movie. Um, and and secondly, like I mean Jeff Johns, I mean his Black Adam is like second to none in my mind. Um. Mm-hmm just such such a really enriching and engaging character and i loved all of you know to go to keep on that tangent for a minute uh that black adam story is so fitting with him all the way through where he's like um you know he's like i i offer sanctuary to metahumans and then later he kind of says it to superman he's like look you have sanctuary with conduct but if you're, but if you're, if you're against me, then you're against me. Um, and and I love that there is that I'm a man of my word kind of a thing, a little Dark Knight mm-hmm. reference. But but seriously, it's because uh, you know that Black Adam's like he'll he'll back it up if he's if Superman had been like, yeah, you know what, I'm on your side, then they would have fought side by side. Um, but you know he's like you know if you're gonna challenge me, then I'll challenge you back. And then of course you know all the metahumans just piling on superman well dr manhattan watches like a fucking asshole (laughs) um well i don't have like much history with black adam it's very very limited so i i take those limited small little nuggets uh, mm -hmm. i bring to the table when i when i read this story but i think that with black adam there's i mean he represents definitely a mindset of you know at the at the base of people that would support him there's you know there's a good number of people that do exist like in the real world that you know that would have they well look at this you have a terrorist that's about ready to behead an american journalist Mm -hmm. black adam comes in beheads the terrorist 
Yeah. Of course, I think I'm sorry, but like most of us would be like, good. And that, like somebody here to take out the terrorists that like, they don't, some of the awful things they've done. I'm sorry. Like, you know, people would think they deserved what they just got. Yep. And Black Adam, you know, as we see from then and then when he's included in the story, you know, a few issues later and such, it doesn't sound like his point of view is off base. It yeah. does. It does make sense. And then as everything ramps up, it's a it's a failure to communicate because we know <laughs> what really happened. Yeah. That Superman is trying to tell everybody take. And I think this this almost is like the. It's about like a major perfect example of a of a problem humanity has we are our own destruction that's so watchmen that whole I- ideal right there yeah. uh, but i i really get that of that incident in russia of something has happened yes we like they quickly because firestorm is there and because i guess physically yes he did do it but just wait a damn second instead of quickly jumping no questions asked we aren't getting all the information on it. Wait, 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 but he can reverse this and everything will be fine. Instead, there's panic. And then there, not everyone has all the information. And then look at the shitstorm that follows. Yeah. Firestorm shitstorm. But, <laughs> but, and Black Adam's team, like they see this and they see, you just look at images without any context. They see Superman there defending Firestorm who just killed all these people. So he's like, this is a bad representation of us metahumans. We need to go take care of Superman now. Yeah. From his point of view, and a lot of us jump into conclusions of incidents, we don't have all the information. Like, damn, like, damn, damn, because this is such a good example of that. Of yeah, look what happened. Of and it could have been much worse because they didn't just take a second to breathe. Ex- Superman explained what the hell's going on. Because then, oh, all of this can be avoided. So I think that that that's a long tangent insane of like I I really love that part because there's a lot to to pick from it and discuss about it. Even though ultimately that scene is kind of like it's almost like a tragic scene. And it definitely is when people just start firing and they start shooting and the the frozen people, the glass people end up shattering. Right. Like, well now he can't well, they're dead now you know and like this can all be avoided if you just take a second and hear me out and so i i really do enjoy that i think that's issue eight you you know you know what you know what's perfect about that something that i i wanted to talk about and the the way you know what you were describing is one of the central themes of the book is rorschach's story you know and what's literally the sign he's he's holding when he you know goes and sleeps on the streets of gotham you see what you want to see. Um, and that, how true is that for, you know, our society in general, you know, literally everything you just said. Um, so these people, like they saw a firestorm react and then, so they start shooting and then Superman tries to stop them. And then the glass people start shattering and then it turns into, Oh, you know, look at what Superman did as opposed to no, no, this, this happened because you were reckless you know, it's like it just looks like Superman did it, but he didn't. Um, I mean that that whole you see what you want to see, and that ends up being Rorschach's whole thing is that he was convinced that his father had gone through the Kovacs and they were friends and everything, 
And but you know, obviously that's not what happened in the book. Uh, that Rorschach kind of drove his father crazy a little bit. Um, and then, but also that idea of you see what you want to see being um, a it, it can also be a redemptive thing where mm -hmm. Batman, when he hands Reggie the Rorschach mask again, he's like, he's like, you know, this doesn't have to be a symbol of a monster. It can be a symbol of a hero. Um, and and I love that. And and you know, Superman also says something like that to Manhattan when Manhattan's like, okay, you know, this is it. You know, the either I'm about either I'm about to die or the universe is about to die. And Superman's like, you're only seeing what you want to see. Like, help me out here and and pick a new option pick a third option um and i think that that aspect is is so um i mean it's it's so deep it's so simple yet yeah. so deep like still waters run deep right um so yo you see what you want to see well yeah but like you're you have to also see what's real and see what can be real whether it's good or bad um and I think that, unfortunately, people, when they're seeing what they want to see, oh, Superman's the bad guy. Look at what he just did in Russia. You know, we're against him now. When it's like, well, no, that, that's not what happened. And if you, you know, rewind the footage, you'll see what actually happened. But people aren't going to do that. Like, no, I, I saw it. I saw what happened, you know? Yeah. I love that with Rorschach, too. The Because I'm one that's all for the give me the ugly truth, not the beautiful lie. Yeah, because then we are not made a fool when the truth prevails and the truth always prevails. Yep. So I and the well intentions of people like in reality of, you know, um, sheltering the truth. And in this case for Rorschach of, um, you know, he's talking to Mothman and he was trying to pump up his dad and such like that. And that is how Reggie is seeing his father. And then the truth prevails and he can't handle it. Yep. And he has his meltdown and then he gets to being one on the streets of Gotham holding a sign and he can't overcome this. Mm -hmm. And that's totally relatable to reality, you know, reality, because there is some truths that people ultimately like they, they wouldn't be able to handle it. Yep. That is the whole decision of, you know, we have to kill millions to save billions. There's a lot of people that could not, face that truth that that is reality and something you know maybe not on that drastic of a level but you know that that was a tough decision that needed made so it's like well let's let's pretty it up and let's come up with this lie because that's a little bit more accepting but we owe it owe it to ourselves to not be made the fools in the end that it's like no nah, just be be truthful up front and i think I'm I'm obviously very glad that Batman's in this story. But <laughs> yeah. Bat Batman is not as blunt as Superman in his messages of hope, but that small moment basically with Alfred and Batman to Reggie there at the end yeah. to inspire some hope and stuff is really like that's a really good scene that's illustrated perfectly and written perfectly. And then of course you get the Superman just flat out telling Dr. Manhattan in the end of basically giving him hope because Dr. Manhattan, where you, where we left him with Watchmen, you know, he's, he's not cynical because he doesn't have like, um, he doesn't have emotion. He's just spitting facts, but his, and his facts are based on observations and his observation is like humanity will destroy itself. And then that, that famous image that people use all the time of 
he's lost hope with with world and so he went to mars i can't quote it right now because i don't know right off the top of my head but from watchmen you know the panel yep. i'm talking about yep. yep um to just that major development for this character i think is also really cool and well done by john's too because by the end he is you have this emotionless character feeling emotion feeling like hope and i i really like that and it's inspired by <gasps> our dc heroes um, you know, it's it's funny that this book, uh, very, being very much like uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns, having that real worldness uh, to it, because obviously the president of Russia gone very much like Putin. Um, we even said f- even said Putin, I think oh, at least oh, once. Mm-hmm. Um, but our president, they never show his face, but you get the sense that it's Trump. Um, but they I, do, they do. I. And that's where I was a little confused because I thought they made some comment that made you think Trump, but then it looks like at one spot they're escorting a black man from the Oval Office to to leave in a helicopter. Uh, and I'm like, that's not a greatly illustrated Obama, but is this are they implying that this is Obama? I think and, I think he was just in shadow though, because the the way the way he talked, obviously, and they said like the president tweeted, I'm like, Yep, there it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But um, but again, the going back to the you see what you want to see, he the president straight up says, you know, they're like, should we just say that we were part of the Superman Superman theory? And he's like, nope, we're not doing that, you know. And again, keeping that lie from the American people, and then <clears> the <throat> truth does come out, like you said, truth prevails, and uh, and they have the the bit towards the end where they said, you know, Amanda Waller leading impeachment uh, against the president. Uh, to which I kind of laughed and said, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've seen that twice for some reason. Um, <laughs> but luckily those days are behind us, I hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, again, hope, just like Superman. Um, <clears throat> but I, I I loved having that uh, that aspect of it because, you know, it, I remember a friend of mine saying before, it's like, oh, you know, I don't like my... I don't like comics having politics in them. I'm like, you've obviously never read any fucking comics in your life then. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it's, that's, it's always there. Um, so this, this looking, this being Putin, this being Trump, it doesn't phase me because it's like, it, it, it gives it that much more reality that I can, that I can get into. And, and sure. I'm reading a book about this all powerful naked blue guy, talking to an alien from an exploded planet but <laughs> um but i don't mind that little bit of reality that's in it just like i didn't mind reading dark knight returns and you know there's there's reagan you know yeah i mean um, politics are ingrained in a lot more than we realize yep but the, the definition of politics and something being political also isn't what I think a lot of people think it is. Yep. It, it extends a, on a lot more subjects and, you know, wording and ideas than we realize. Because sometimes politics, Republican, Democrat, it's like, this is po- so political. If it doesn't say Republican or Democrat, then it's like, okay, then it's not political. And it's like, yep. well, actually, it runs deeper than that on, mm-hmm. well, this is a little political because of, you know, this, 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 and this. So, right that's kind of how easily I could say, well, yeah, this is like, this book, it's a little political, but it's not beating you over the head of 
hey, if you are, if you lean to this side, you are wrong. Right. Like, that's not what it's doing. But um, it's it 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 does gray everything up though. You mm-hmm. know where uh, Rorschach is very is very black and white, no compromise. Um, but uh, and and Superman's a little bit like that too, to an extent. Um, and you know, but I also like that we're not, you know, we, we can see the grays, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, so we have black Adam who shows up and he's, he's kind of black and white. It's like, you're either with me or you're not. Um, whereas Superman's just sort of like, we, we can just stop this and we can figure this out. Um, you know, and, and I love that we have that minute of that that moment of like okay so we're we're seeing the gray and we're seeing how we can work together in the gray um mm-hmm. if that if that makes any sense you know <laughs> i feel like i'm rambling <laughs> no no you make sense yep. okay. from this side of the microphone you make sense people listening are going to be like um one actually you know uh you know when talking about the the scene uh where you know Superman's in Russia and he's trying to calm everything down. Um, that's one of my favorite parts. Is Batman like Bruce? It's Clark. Stop talking. Shut yeah. your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. And your mouth. and and I love that. Like again, it's sort of that you see what you want to see thing. If Superman had, if he had just been like, excuse me, and like flown away and been like, all right, what is it? He would have. He could have solved so much right then and there. <laughs> it definitely would not have escalated at no. all sure i think that damn it russia russia would have jumped to their conclusions quickly but <laughs> like it would have there in which they'd have had it just wouldn't have escalated so quickly i yeah. think we could have still gotten to the point of the minds being made yep. but as far as the uh yeah what what it erupted to i, I don't believe that that would have happened uh i i think definitely not um but uh it's you know and again it and i think i when i was rereading it i i thought of that being the central theme you know being uh, of the book you see what you want to see you know manhattan the whole time says this is how it ends you know um and rorschach being like you know thinking of his father this this is you know this is what he wants to see and even ozymandias you know this like there's there's one ending here where i save the day he sees what he wants to see um and even uh saturn girl you know and i and i love i forgot about this bit and i was so excited rereading it when she when he, he's when uh adrian is talking to her and then he's like so why doesn't superman remember you and then she starts to vanish so it's like there's her seeing what she wants to see and then suddenly when the truth is on her she literally disappears, you know. It, I thought of um, Infinity War, you know, with the Thanos snap, <laughs> um, the snap, and uh, and same with Johnny Thunder, you know. He he's one of you know uh, just a couple people in the entire world, including Saturn Girl, that remembers the you know pre New Fifty Two, um, and it's so it's it's just such a it's so fascinating and we could i mean we could like i said we could we could have done 12 hours one on each issue and still not be able to do it justice <laughs> there's so much to this mm-hmm. i mean um, it's it's deep man it's yeah. deep <laughs> it, 
and and I think and I love that the the characters, you know, like first and foremost, Gary Frank, the way he draws Superman, I I love that he looks mm-hmm. like Christopher Reeve. I think mm-hmm. that I love that he never he's never dropped that. It's just and and how can you not hear Christopher Reeve, like and him just being like, you know, you know, I'm I'm here to help. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, you know, I'm your friend, kind of a thing. Um, I I love that we have that to to look forward to because because obviously you know like Jeff Johns has gone on record saying that Superman's his favorite movie, and he and the way he writes Superman very Christopher Reeve ish. Yeah. Um, where even when Superman does get angry and he's fighting back, he's still he's not vicious. You know, he's very he's going to fight back, but he's not going, but he's not going for the kill. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Batman, not that Batman goes for the kill, obviously, but Batman's not going to hold back if he's going to fight you. Um, it's something that Lois says at the very end of almost too many people are, and I don't remember how she says the first part, but the second part is instead of extending, extending a hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that encapsulates like Superman, John's version of Superman of, yes, he will stop the threat, but he's, He'll knock the villain down, but then help them get back up. Like that—that's kind of his his Superman. And so ultimately, that's why, aside from powers alone, that that idea and that mindset, um, he's so fitting to be the. Him and Doctor Manhattan are. It just makes the most sense that they're the, the main event. Um, they, you know, being the most powerful from each each universe, but also the the ones that the others sort of look to, where you know Ozymandias or Lex Luthor, they might be the smartest, you mm-hmm. know, or you have like Batman or, or Rorschach who are some of the most extreme, but you have these these two that really take again seeing what you see, right? They they take in everything they see. And and they absorb it. Where John is very pragmatic, you know. Manhattan is very pragmatic. You know this. Well, this is just how it is. Whereas Superman's like, yes, this might be how it is, but we need to look a little bit deeper. Um, and wow, you know. And I'm I'm glad we're talking about this. We're getting so we're getting so deep. We're doing a little <laughs> bit of therapy here, I think. <laughs> um, and and that's that's the kind of stuff that I I love with these types of stories. I love this about. Um, about you know Watchmen in, in general, that it it can give you this really great fictional story that you can we can you know in terms of the TV show in the books we can read it and reread it and reread it and just keep catching new things going oh like that's what they're saying oh wait 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 they're not just saying this they're saying oh they're saying oh oh okay and there's so much revelation there that is so uh, it's it's just what else can be said? It's just it's it's beautiful storytelling, and I think that Jeff Johns, um, as much as I love the the Watchmen TV show, I, I can't compare these two because the Watchmen TV show, a beautiful uh, sequel to Watchmen, this also just not just being a beautiful sequel to Watchmen, but being a really great because Watchmen being a de- deconstruction of superheroes, this is almost a reconstruction. Of Superman and what he stands for, what the DC universe stands for. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh-huh. New <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, Doomsday Clock is not finished with me yet. Like, I'm I'm going to I'm not going to revisit it like next month or in two months. But I mean, it's not like it's going to be six years and then I might read it again. Like, I'll read it again, and there's going to be something else to oh, yeah. it that has been there all along, but I'm seeing for the first time. Oh yeah, there's uh... and that's going to be fun. Well, there's, uh, I think you and I both having just reread it, we definitely need to decompress a little bit before we yeah. jump back into it. Just a little uh, bit. But uh, so, uh, Ryan, I yes. So I I did warn you ahead of time, and I don't know if you're. Uh, I'm gonna confess that I don't even know if I have an answer. But uh, in keeping with what you do on your show, which I love, you know, favorite part or panel, which by the way, I I like, uh, I like. Going to we're going to court. I'm gonna sue you stealing my <laughs> ideas. <laughs> I find JJ guilty on all charges. Guilty. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but uh, but by the way, I, I do I, I like to do that when you talk about the books, especially the ones I've read at least. Uh, when you ask favorite part of panel, I think about mine privately. Like, oh, what is my favorite part? Or what is my favorite panel? Um, uh, so I think that is a fun exercise. But um, so favorite favorite part of this series, if you can, if you had to narrow it down to one, and obviously if you can't, then, you know. <laughs> well, it extends a little beyond. The rules on my show are pretty loose, mm-hmm. uh, but it, I mean, a favorite panel is pretty self-explanatory, but sometimes people will say, well, it's a sequence all on this page. There's seven panels, but it's like, they're all important. And so then I'm like, okay, that works. For me, I'm going to go beyond that and say it is the entirety of issue number six. And that is the mime and marionette uh, origin. And and so, like, I just, something about that, that issue, it was the first time it was released. Every time I reread it and then the trade read and this read, that is just, that is my favorite issue. I just, there's something that just really works with me and the origin of these two these two characters to where they're killing people and I'm still like yeah and <laughs> like it doesn't I'm but I mean because look at the people that they kill in the story it's it's bad people yeah I mean they kill those corrupt police officers who destroyed both of their families yeah uh in the bank she didn't kill anybody but she j- was asking the the one woman you know uh nicely hey what's the the login codes to get in the vaults and then she says i can't do that i don't have information and then she's like well tell me who does and she looks at the boss and the boss is just an asshole yeah i think he even calls her like large or something like that too i mean he he calls her he calls her retarded (laughs) retarded that's right yeah Yeah. and and then i think he comments on her looks something also and and marionette just, just takes her little wire and cuts off his finger and it's like hell yeah and then it's like takes out the joker goons in the bar like they're not good people and takes them out it's kind of like and then we get the origin of her and it's like it's not like she's going out and like slaughtering babies or anything like that she's kind of she's killing bad guys and she there's and i don't know i'm going into a long uh explanation but i just i love the entirety of issue number six that's my favorite that's that's fair um i i would have to give my my favorite part is Batman meeting Rorschach, mm-hmm. because uh, again you you'd almost expect like Batman to just swoop in and they 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 have a fight or something. But I think that 
John's wrote it really in a, in a smart way where I, I like that Batman sort of is sizing him up first and you can kind of mm-hmm. tell. So it's like, okay, well, he went and got, he ate the pancakes first and then he came down here. So it's like, I don't, so he's not out to rob me. He's not, it doesn't seem like he's out to hurt me. And like I said earlier, you know, when Batman, there's that panel where Batman tilts his head at him, like, what, what's up with this guy? Um, and then you find out later that Batman, um, um, you know, was, was the doctor that went in to talk to him. Um, mm-hmm. The Matthew Mason, uh, which that, 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 took, that took me a couple of reads to understand because I was like, I was like, wait, why is that guy's face on the table? Oh, geez, I'm stupid. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's Batman. He was there he the whole time. Ditched Matches Malone, but had to keep with the MM, you know. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and so I'm, and uh, and so that 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 would be my favorite part because I think that again, you know, when these characters meet, there it's it's these really interesting confrontations, but they're it doesn't at all go the way you'd expect, you know, like in in any other yeah. book, you know, by any other writer. Batman would have jumped into the cave and been like, "Who are you?" and started fighting him, you know, uh, which you know, like, <laughs> which ironically Jeff Johns does in uh, uh, Flashpoint, right? Yeah. Uh, but that fit for that Batman beating the hell out of Barry Allen. Um. So, uh, Mr. Lauer, your yes. do you have a favorite panel or, um, I mean, could you could could you even pick one? I mean, I I don't know if I could even pick one. I'll try. Gary Frank is he does beautiful artwork. Yep. Uh, you'd think obviously for sure in the back I love seeing anything Batman I love seeing Batcaves I love seeing Batman iterations are great but I think my favorite panel uh, as I've I discovered in my show the reason I choose panels is because I'm like what if what image could I see out of context and it creates some kind of story my brain starts going down different avenues of like where could the story go what preceded this what followed this and I think ultimately it is the superman dr manhattan first panel Mm. there in issue 11 and i think he says i think does manhattan say it is now or time is now or something like that that's the only text uh it is now that's right he says it is now and i'm like can you imagine if we didn't know doomsday clock was coming no rumors nothing like that and that panel is released like the speculation the like your brain would just go all over the place and you'd be like wait what what is happening how is manhattan against superman and and there's just i think it's just a really good it's just a really good image i think that we are waiting for that payoff and we waited a long time and to get it and we finally got it and i think just that image it delivered so that's my favorite panel that's that's a good answer um in in keeping with with that aspect mm-hmm. um if if we had just gotten some sort of weird tease so i i would say a favorite panel because i'm going to get just a favorite panel because literally i could name almost any yeah. of them because one, like for example one that i thought of was uh when saturn girl and reggie leave arkham asylum there's a bug that gets zapped and it makes the men and the the smoke makes the manhattan symbol yeah, but and then and then a, a photograph is left, which I never would have saw the first time. But after rereading it and Lex pointing out all the photographs, it's like, oh, Manhattan was there. That's cool. So yeah. I, was like, I was like, oh, I could say that, but it's like, well, it's not like a favorite panel. It's really good. Um, but I'd have to say, in keeping with what you're saying, like, wouldn't this wouldn't this be a cool tease as to what what's happening? Um, I would have to give it to 
uh, Rorschach holding up the Green Lantern and says, "What is what is Lantern?" Mm. Um, just that idea that, like, because if it was just that, if that was released, like if Jeff Johns just tweeted out that picture and said, like, you know, fall twenty seventeen or whatever, I would have been like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so 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 I I like the way you're describing it. Um, where it. And I think you've said this on your show before too. It's like, it's almost like something you'd want as like a poster or something in your room, um, yeah. or in your office. Uh, and that maybe maybe I wouldn't want that as like a poster or something, but that would be a good tease. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think that yeah, I, I, Gary Frank, Brad Anderson, it we can't we you know we could go on and on about how amazing their work is. Uh, and another thing that worked really well in the book. And it was sort of frustrating on a month-to-month basis. Was that the way the story flows? Um, we don't have that traditional like last page, like cliffhanger ending, you know? Yeah. So it it just the the chapter just kind of ends, mm-hmm. and then the next chapter begins, which is great on a on a reread of everything. But when when it was just us like monthly going, ah, oh, come on, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's how I was, at least. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. <laughs> you aren't the only one. I think mm-hmm. in a similar level of that Manhattan Superman um, face-off tease was one of the variant issues um, image that they released early on were of the variant for issue number three, which is Batman sitting in the cave reading Rorschach's journal. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I don't know, that's not as blunt and in your face, but mm-hmm. it could almost be on that same level if we never knew anything about Doomsday Clock, never heard it was in the works, no rumors, and then DC releases this image and Batman, you're like, oh, that's cool. That's Batman reading a book. Okay, and Candlelight. That's, I mean, that looks cool. And Wait, that's the Rorschach. Dude, that's Rorschach's journal. Oh my God. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it could almost instill the same kind of like reaction, which I know that there's a ton of panels and variant covers and stuff that, that could do that same thing but that was an issue where i was undecided on if i was going to go digital or try and track down variant uh co- physical copies of issues and that because they released that one before the book even came out like you know yep. here's a you know here's another cover and i'm like okay i need that i need that cover yep that cover is great i love that it's batman he's my favorite i love batman uh, i uh at new york comic-con a couple years ago um, yeah, remember when we used to go to Comic Con? Yeah, um, I I got Jeff Johns to sign the one variant that's my Marionette and uh, uh, Rorschach, and then Ozymandias is in the Night Owl ship with uh-huh. the bat signal in the background. Because I was like, it was at after one of the panels, and and he came up to the uh, to at the edge of the stage to sign some comics, and I was like, I gotta find one real quick. <laughs> and I was I was like, nope, nice. this one he created these characters. I want him to sign this. And I, you know, and he signed it real quick. And I was like, I was like, dude, this, this was really amazing. I'm, I'm so excited for the rest of this. He's like, Oh yeah, man. Cool. Thanks. And I was just like, all right. I really hope you're not a, an asshole. Like Ray Fisher says you are, but. <laughs> dude, Justin Kowalski. I don't know if you've heard him tell his story before that. I think it was the, it was the green lantern premiere. Mm-hmm. The movie with Ryan Reynolds and Justin yep. Kowalski and a couple of his friends, I think, uh, were there for it. And I think Justin was able to talk with Jeff Johns and say, 
that and justin when you listen to this i apologize if i'm getting this mixed up but you know the point basically it said that like he w- justin wasn't a dick about it but basically said like you know i don't like the movie i i didn't really care for the movie and jeff john sent him mailed justin a stack of green lantern comics signed like yeah. like that kind of speaks some levels to me of jeff johns and i mean i don't i don't comment on this stuff with because I don't know anything, I wasn't there. But it's just like, that's kind of like what I see. Of, and then his body of work that he's done, this book and stuff. And the guy can get me to try things because his name is behind it, you know? Yep. I Certain I'm, comics, the yep. Stargirl TV series. Like, yep. it's, I don't know. Jeff, Jeff Johns, he, he, does, he does good things. I think he's going to go places. I, uh, you know, what I've said on previous episodes and what I'll say here is that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, don't support any, you know, getting like super off topic, don't support any allegations, you know, any, any abusers out there, you know, we're obviously 100% not for that. Um, Joss Whedon can, you know, go fuck himself for all I care. I've, I've always thought he was an asshole. Um, and so I believe Ray Fisher when he says that, <laughs> you know, that he was an asshole on set and that's not cool. Um, especially based on what has come out since. And there's, you know, we have a whole, I have a whole episode about it. And if Jeff Johns played a part in that, that's not cool. Um, so, and if he does, I, I do hope he gets in trouble for it as he absolutely should, just like everybody else should. Um, because it's, and it's stuff like what you're describing that that's, that's what we want to see again. See what you want to see, right? <laughs> it goes back to that. Um, you know, we're, but I also uh, do have my feet firmly in reality. So, when if these things are happening, I think I think we we as the fans, you know, should be should hold our our these people accountable and say, no, you know, if if this, we we want you to be good people producing good stuff because I'd rather have. I'd rather have good people doing good stuff than keep rewarding assholes, you know? Um, and again, I'm getting super duper off topic. Uh, so I, I apologize to anyone who might have heard that from me before and might be upset. Um, but anyway, back to back to Doomsday Clock, back to Ryan. Um, Ryan, this, this, was, this was a total blast, man. Um, I mean, you know, hopefully... <laughs> Not too many technical difficulties on either end here, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm I'm so glad that you know we were able to make this work and um, and uh, you know like you said I think we are uh, I'm I'm very satisfied with the discussion that we had about Watchmen and Doomsday Clock today. Absolutely, thank you, JJ Hodges, for allowing me to come back to your show for Comic Junkies and discuss this this really good story that I still don't know after this discussion is the B, B plus, A minus, A, A plus, but it doesn't matter because I do know that I like it uh, quite a bit. Yep. And it was, yeah, it was fun too. This might've been my first time I've ever gotten to actually like discuss it, discuss it with somebody too. So I uh, am checking satisfied on my <laughs> comment card. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I am as well. Um, and, you know, and we'll definitely, you know, there's plenty of topics out there that you know we'll get you back in for um you know i'd love to have you as a guest again you know we talked about me coming back on your show which i'm excited Mm -hmm. about um even though i'm like jumping the gun saying can i do all of these and you're like 
chill out for a second. Uh, <laughs> um, at least, but you know, not as bad as Peter. Peter Vera, Vera right? so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, just kidding, Pete. You know we love you. Um, so Ryan, uh, if the people, if the people want to find you uh, on the inter- internet, at least, not like you know, bang on your door. The end is end is here. Um, interweb speaking, where can people find you? Uh, the the most the easiest, mostly used, is on Twitter. Um, also, the same thing on Twitter and Instagram for the Batman Book Club. It's at the Batman BC. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Uh, pending on when this episode drops, I'll just say some recent episodes or of that show or with our friend we've mentioned, Peter Vera, talking mm-hmm. whatever happened to the Caped Crusader. Uh, Garrett Grev from Batman on Film also, because all of us are Batman on Film peeps. Um, yeah. Garrett Grev came on to do to talk. Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Brad Anderson, Earth Batman Earth One Volume Two. Uh, Justin Kowalski dropped um, a discussion with Batman Universe. So if you just want to hear some talk about Batman stories, and basically they're all positive because it's asking people to come on and and talk about. Uh, talk about comic books batman stories that they get to choose them because they like them they enjoy them and actually in december a man by the name of jj hodges you ever heard of him <gasps> that that little rascal that's it's me epi- episode 36 he came on my show so we could discuss one of my favorite batman stories batman noel by mr lieber Mahel, who i've also gotten to interview a few times it's including a plug for the Batman on Film podcast because just a few episodes ago we got to interview Lieber Mayo and on BatmanOnFilm.com I've got reviews there also where I had a one-on-one interview with Lieber Mayo just a few months before the world uh, hit pause. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a long a long way of saying you can find me here doing Batman things. Um, you you are very busy, sir, and I'm glad that. Uh... I'm glad that you made the time for me today. Absolutely. Uh, and and this was a total blast. We'll get you back. Uh, we'll get you back soon. Um, like I said, there's, you know, what isn't there to talk about these days? Um, yeah. So I might get you on my show and I'll take your format and we'll talk Batman 89 when that's all said and done. Um, Booyah! That'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't, oh, I can't wait for that comic. Um so, but that again, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I'm I'm going to leave it at that because otherwise we're going to be here for another hour. Um, <laughs> but but I don't want to keep you any longer, sir. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, to all you listeners out there, who watches The Watchmen? It's uh, Start to Manhattan being really really creepy. Just just watching him. His dick is out. It's gross. I don't like it. I don't approve of dicks being out. Put your dick back in. <clears throat> All right, we're going to end now. All right. Bye.